0: Uh, This is the day the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. So uh, we're going to start uh, this, uh, continue rather, our series uh, in Romans, Um, and I want to just bring you up to speed, and then we're going to go back, we're going to go immediately into chapter two, all right? So the title of my message today is Romans chapter two. All right. So, 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 so ingenious, right? So let me give you some background today in Romans. Uh, we have given you much background previously, but I wanted to bring the context a bit clearer uh, for us today. So, so as a result of that, I want to reiterate some things in chapter 1, where Paul tells us the wrath of God, this is in verse 18, uh, 1, uh, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, And unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so Paul says that any unrighteousness is a truth suppressant. So we must hate, abhor unrighteousness. And then he tells us that man is without excuse because God has shown us himself, even even uh, those things that you cannot see with your naked eye, you know they exist because of what you do see. You know when you look at the firmaments, you know that that didn't just happen. And I'm sure that somebody will call me an ignorant man, but I, I will rejoice in that. When you can look at the firmament and you think that there was a, a big noise that just hap- happened to happen and it created all of this order, that chaos creates order. And uh, if you have ever seen chaos create order, I would like for you to show that to me, film it, and show it to me. So I am not trying to pick a fight with our scientists, but I am desiring to bring clarity to the body of Christ. The scripture says that in Romans 1, he said they were professing to be wise, but they, they became fools. And this is what it looked like when they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. They, they changed the glory. So as a result of man continuing to resist God, continuing to ignore the fact that God exists, that God is, that he made us and not we ourselves, that we are not God. He said, since they continued to do that, God gave them up. And that is a very frightening word, God gave them up. And what did he give them up to what they wanted to do? He was stopping them. Can you remember as a child, if you grew up in a home, even close to the way I grew up, I was blessed enough to grow up with Christian parents, people who loved God, and they did not let me do whatever I wanted to do. If you love your child, you will not let your child do whatever that child is bent on doing. You won't do that. If you want to be your child's friend, you're not a good parent. And so God was, was resisting mankind's foolishness was resisting it and was still showing them himself and his love, but then they, they persisted. So the scripture says, therefore God gave them up to what? Uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Wow. The lie that they could live independent of God. They could self-direct their lives, etc. They could—they would be their own god, and so God gave them up, and then they began to do all kinds of wicked things. And the Bible talks about um, uh, the bad things that they did—they uh, uh, men with men and women with women, doing what was unseemly, what was wrong, and uh, to- totally wrong. Let me read a few of them because it was, not, it was sexual immorality. Sexual was uh, something that people want to gratify themselves, and so they were doing all kinds of things. But it wasn't just the homosexual sins. It was that, definitely that. But it was also heterosexual sins. There were a lot of that. A lot of times when we talk about this, we talk about the, the men with men, the women with women, and we leave it there, and we leave the, guy, the guys out who are heterosexual sinners. So this is what he said. This is the kind of thing that resulted uh, in it. Sexual immorality was the first one. The next one was wickedness or all unrighteousness, covetousness, maliciousness, uh, envy, being full of envy. Not, not just maybe a tad of envy but full of envy, murder, strife, uh, deceit, evil-mindedness. Uh, whisperers, you know, people just always talking about things and and people backbiters, you know, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. This one really gets me. That was the sixteenth thing on my list. Inventors of evil things. That means that you you have gone into being a Ph.D. in evil. You know, you you know, you've learned all of the lo- known language uh, or uh, known information. You've learned it all, and now you out there uh, as a philosopher, you've gone beyond. You're extending evil. That's what he says. There are some people who have done so well. They have extended evil. They are inventors of it. Disobedient parents, and so that's why parents can't allow their children to be disobedient because they are bent in that direction naturally, and so we want to graciously, by the word of God, by the spirit of God, bring them back, all right? Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God. That those who practice such things are deserving of death. They not only do the same. But also approve of others who practice them. And this is the world that we have inherited. This is the world that we have inherited. I want to now... Go to Romans 12, that brings us, uh, Romans 2, verse 1, that brings us up to speed, and we know why Paul says in verse 1, therefore. So Paul is giving us a therefore, or because of, or for this reason. That's what therefore means. Uh, so it's the third time he uses uh, therefore. He says, therefore, you are inexcusable, o man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things that that's so terrible isn't it? Uh, to judge somebody for being a particular way and then you are that way you are that way and so what Paul is taught is uh, talking to uh, the Jews here he's talking to those who are probably pagan but they are pretty moral you know for the most part there are some Sins they've just not gone to those depths and committed. And he says, You who are pointing the finger and judging, you're condemning yourself every time you say something negative about that other person because you do the same thing. Same thing. And listen, verse 2. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth, it's according to truth, against those who practice such things. And so what he is showing us is that God will judge according to truth, but in righteousness. So Paul, Remember, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He's not been there. And it is an amazing treatise as he writes it, or systematic theology as some prefer to call it. So he says, but But we know, let me read that again. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? God's judgment is according to truth. Man's judgment comes from condemnation. God's judgment is according to truth. So let's look at at, uh, verse 4 as he continues. He says, do you despise the riches of his goodness. So, so do you hate God's goodness? Do you despise, do you look down on it? Do you think it's a nothing, God's goodness? Sometimes when we see goodness and kindness, we think uh, that they are, and those words are synonymous with weakness. And we don't seem to grasp weakness. I'm speaking of all of us. We tend to think that if somebody's very kind, we might even think, oh, Lord, don't let them be too kind. Uh, but let, let them have some steel. We don't understand that there is strength in kindness. Yes. It takes a lot to keep your mouth closed. It takes a lot not to retaliate. It takes more not to retaliate than, than it does to retaliate. Because retaliation is, I'm, I'm just my old carnal natural self. But, this, but when you don't, you're saying, I'm a new creation. I'm somebody new. Amen. Amen. So he says, Do you despise the third one, his long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Do you know that God being good it doesn't mean that God is soft, that God is some teddy bear in heaven, or some Santa Claus with a big, long white beard and big, pudgy belly? No it's God's goodness that leads you to repentance. How many of us can remember coming to the Lord? Some people thought they were great when before they came to the Lord and God just made them a little bit better. But even though I grew up in a wonderful home, Christian home, Christian community, Christian everything. Even the teachers at church went to, uh, at school went to church. You know, even the teachers were Sunday school teachers, you know. And so that's the kind of place I grew up in. But I still needed a savior. And you need a savior. Amen. I've told you one of the most telling statements that I've heard is when people say, I'm a good person. That's a telling statement. That means that, no, you're not. You're a sinner also. Also. So it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. He says, but in in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart. You are treasuring treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So Paul is setting the the church straight. He's letting the Jewish people know, hey, you are not better than the people you're pointing fingers at. That's That's what he's saying. That is what he is saying. Now listen to how how he goes on to talk about that. But I want to talk about that so that you and I will not commit the same error show that you and I will not be moved by the things that we see outside Christ and be influenced by those things that are outside Christ. You say, well, Pastor, you keep saying that. I keep saying that because it's still our reality. It's still the reality of too many people. It's still that reality. You know, there are people um, even who come here, I don't know if it's members or, or whatever, trying to convert me to politics always slipping me something and i know it's not righteous cuz you won't put your name on it <laughs> i mean you know slip these little, little old notes you know to me you know let's get this man uh, to write to vote for the right person well i'm thinking about i'm voting for god right now I, and and i'm i'm seeking god to say lord what about this wicked system I, I, more and more, I don't want to participate at all in it. But, but the Bible tells us that we are in the world, but not of the world. So through the righteousness of God and through the Holy Spirit, I now know how to participate. Now listen, I will not let an ungodly person tell me, a godly man, how to participate. I will Okay. So... The purpose of this message is that you and I might come out. Remember maybe decades ago, I'm going to guesstimate 30 years ago, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood, the Lord gave us a word, it could have been a few years uh, this side or 30, uh, that the last great move of God or one of the last great moves of God or something like that uh, would be the desecularization of the church, which means that you and I must obey the command of God, come out from among them and be separate. And, and so this is what God is saying. And this is what I believe Paul is writing to the Romans as well. And so God, God's imputed righteousness expects, expects a righteous response. And God's imputed righteousness pursues a righteous outcome. So what we must do as people of God is not be half people of God. And so the, Bi- the Bible tells us, that God will render, in verse 6, will render to each one according to his deeds uh, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good uh, for glory, honor, and immortality. Okay, let me read that again. It didn't sound right. Okay, eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. So these are the choices. Now what Paul is, is, is saying to us here, that tribulation and anguish, okay, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul who does evil. Notice, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But, again, glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works What is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I I love this. You know, the scripture says to us, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. It's by grace. It's the goodness of God, the generosity of God, the favor of God. By grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I love it. So salvation is the gift of God, and the faith it takes is the gift of God. So the, the Bible is not saying that you're going to be saved by your good deeds. Those verses I read do not mean that you will be saved by your good deeds. No, because you are saved, you have the good deeds. That's how that works. So salvation comes, then the good things come. come. Uh, the Good things don't come on their own. They do not come from Natural people. Now, uh, if you're a parent, you had children, little little toddlers, and perhaps you visited some of your friends who had little toddlers, and some of those other kids, not yours, <laughs> were some mean little things. They were some mean little things, right? Remember? No, honestly, uh, we had two good children. We played with them all the time. We Handled them all the time. We were always kissing on them and and uh, bathing them and washing them and oiling them and we just did everything. We did everything. And they were really beautiful little nice little sweet kids. Sometimes we would take them to some uh, unsaved friends and those children like they were born boxers. <laughs> I mean just fun. I had to get my kids up. They were born to box them, taking their toys or come to visit and, and, and decide they were going to make a haul and take their, my kids' toys away with. And sometimes we parents, will, we would give them some toys. But they would take them. They didn't per se learn that. They came here with that. Yeah? And they had to be taught out of that. So the world want, does not want to hear our message. But we must not keep silent. Why? Because we have... Yes, give the Lord a hand. We have the spirit of God, the gift of God. Salvation is not turning over a new leaf. Salvation is being made new. That is, your old heart is not in control any longer. God gives you a new self, as it were, a new heart. Yeah, a new heart. You know, I remember that old song. It says something a lot about like... um, um, Speaking of salvation, it says, I looked at my hands, they looked new. I looked at my feet, and they did too. Ever since that wonderful day, my soul has been satisfied. And so the Bible talks about conversion. This is a reality. Now, why is Paul talking to the church at Rome? Because they need to live out this reality, not talk about it. See, the church right now has a bad reputation. We have a bad reputation because we have allowed those among us to have two faces. You, you remember our beloved D, right? I don't know if Abraham Lincoln said this, but D told me one time. She said, "She said, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln, somebody accused him of being two-faced once. And he said, I am not two-faced because if I were, I wouldn't be wearing this one. <laughs> 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 so, so, but we have two faces. That is, the Bible is very clear, and I, I want to just say this, and this is a real uh, prophetic statement, I'm thinking. God has brought us from something that we have been in, though I know we're in the kingdom, I know that, I know we are saved, I know that, but there is our tolerance we have had for wrong and for evil, and God is bringing out. Bring us out of that so that there is a clear distinction, like a line of demarcation. And that's what I've been sensing, and I would like to go into it more, but but my time. So God does not save you because of all the good works. The good works come because you're saved. He says, by grace, you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. Listen, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. See, it, it's so Paul, Paul, is not. that's not a contradiction. You just have to know what he's saying. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So God has removed all boasting. All of us at the foot of the cross, we're the same. We're the same. At the foot of the cross, we're all the same. The ground is all level. There's not, oh, Mr. Billionaire, you come up here. Mr. Highly Educated, no, get back Mr. Ignorant, you know, no. It's all the same. So we are not saved by good deeds. Or good works were saved for good works. The saved always produce good works. And so Paul is talking here also about uh, a person's habitual conduct. And this is what he is referring to about habitual conduct, whether good or evil. It reveals always the condition of your heart, your habitual conduct. You know, sometimes we'll hear a believer say something to the effect that, um, I'm saved, but I just got... I'm saved, but... When they act out of character. Now, we, we all may have a moment uh, out of character. We all may have a moment out of character. So if you have a moment out of character on the way home, you know, you don't have to drive back over here and, you know, <laughs> open the church and come to the altar, you know, you know, but we may have a moment, but it should not be continual. Right. It should not be. You ought to find yourself Better. If you are the the person, if somebody says one thing, you've got to say five. I'm talking just the real people here. If you have to say five things, you know, you've got to answer back. And you always have something to say, something something snappy and sassy, or just plain mean. That's a problem. You have to take that to God. And, And maybe sing a verse of that song, oh, what a change in my life has been wrought. Since Jesus came into my heart. That's what we must do. That's what we must do. So what, whatever your habitual conduct shows something, it tells something, it reveals something. A person who continually uh, does, uh, uh, does evil rejects the truth and shows that he or she is unregenerate. And therefore, Paul says, will be an object of God's wrath. You can't keep doing bad saying I'm good. amen okay i expect more interaction because you're not those people i'm talking to you know somebody like that verse 11 is a chilling verse it says for there is no partiality with god man i'm telling you every one of us has been um a beneficiary of partiality yes amen thank you Thank you. Every one of us has. And I've told you about the times occasionally when we're traveling. I'll, I've gotten bumped up to business or we, uh, maybe I'll, I've even paid a little bit more from my pocket and get up to business. And, boy, I kind of like going in there. You know, you go up there and, you you know, like Pastor Mohan says, you know, you walk into the business section. It's nice. You can just go in first and put your bags up and sit down. And, and they said, may I get you something to drink? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> You know, it's kind of nice, huh? It's kind of nice. So we like that. We like that. We've all had that. But, but Paul says, there's no partiality with God. I mean, God's not impressed with how cute you are because He made you that way. He's not so impressed with that, you know, and he, He's not going to let you slide. He's not going to let you slide. He says, there's no, no partiality with God for as many. As many as, it, as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. Wow. No wiggle room. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So Paul is talking to his Jewish uh brothers uh his compatriots he's talking to them just because they have the law we got the law of god we we've got a covenant with god we're the seed of abraham god's friend he said wait a minute uh, you're being judged by the law just because you go into synagogue and listen to the law uh, read every every sabbath does not mean that you are right before god wow that's chilling to the average jewish person that was chilling Can you you see what Paul was doing? Paul was taking it to the people of God right away. Pow, taking it to the people of God. I, I offer to you that we have come to a place right now in our salvific history where true ministers are going to take it to the people of God because we are the church of the living God. Yeah, we are the church upon the rock. We are built on the rock, and the gates of Hades cannot prevail against us. That's who we are. And if the truth is muted, oh, God, what will the world do? What will the people do? If the truth is muted, if the truth is muted, can you hear what I'm saying? Then we will have become truth suppressants. We can't have that. God can't have that. For then he goes on to tell, he's speaking to his Jewish brothers. He says, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show, now listen, who show the work of the law written in their hearts. See, what God did, God's signature is on his creation. And there's something even in ungodly people, I know you've grown up around some of them, you had to. Some some ungodly people weren't as ungodly as we thought. I can remember the and I've told you the stories. Uh, I lived in... in outside of town in a little settlement, a country settlement, about nine miles out, nice little place, right on a major highway. But there were some people who had alcohol problems, and, and uh, they were, we, we called drunks. We didn't call them alcoholics. We didn't know how to, how, how to make that softer. We just called them drunks. And, uh, and they were walking. They would be walking by. They always had a little balance to their walk or something. And, and, uh, and they would be sharing their bottle with them walking down the road some of y'all may know what I'm talking about sharing their <laughs> bottles but when they got to the church they said let's put this up we're getting ready to walk by the church put it up and when they get on the other side of the church they take it up again but, but in a strange way they were saying let's respect the church when you and I collude with the world we're not respecting the church. And this is what Paul is getting to. I find that we have, we have come back to this in our salvific history. And so Paul says, um, these people show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. He says, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. God's going to judge the secret of men by Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm going to skip some of the good things I have to say, but let me run to, go, rush to verse 17, and we'll say these things in our series in Romans. He says, verse 17, Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You know, I, I, I want to be with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus and. And I think all of us any, every, any one of us could say, there's not a one of us can say, "I've always been perfectly right with God in every waking moment. There's nobody in here can say that. There's nobody on, online that can say that. This is what God wants, though. God wants us. God wants us to take note ourselves. So Paul says, "You're teaching all these wonderful things, but do you teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal?" You know, you may not go down there and steal from Circle K, but do you steal on your taxes? If you can find a way to kind of to get around a, a rule or law, do you do that? So this is what Paul is saying. So you who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The the name of God is belittled among the Gentiles because of you. I want to take this, bring this to the twenty first century here. The name of God, the church, is like a mockery. Why? Because of us. Yeah, some of us are just not doing the right thing, guys. I'm just being straight up, right? And, And if we know we haven't, we can repent. Repentance changes the direction. It changes your trajectory. I love repentance. It's so undervalued. I love repentance. It washes the blackboard clean so I've got a new slate. Thank you, Jesus. So let us repent of our failures and let us be the church that Jesus died for. Not any hypocrisy. For the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles, those who don't know God because of you, as it is written, he says. Then he says, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So here's the Jews. You circumcised in the flesh. He said, that really means something if you keep the law. But if. But if you break the law, if you're disavowing the law, you're not walking in the truth of God, he says, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So what he says here uh, in the 21st century is, if I say I belong to Jesus and I'm walking righteously by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's a great thing. But if I say I belong to Jesus and I can still do my own thing, He says, wow, that's a bad thing. And you're like an ungodly person, really. You're walking with the godly, but you're ungodly. And because of people like you, the church looks bad. And the name of God is blasphemed. People go, why should I need God? Have you seen that guy? Wow. Therefore, if any uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law Will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Get that down. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but of God. And this is what Paul wants us to know, is that the Holy Spirit has circumcised us. Our body of sin has been cut off by the indwelling Holy Spirit. So we, we are circumcised in heart. Now, a circumcised heart is one that is separated from the world and dedicated to God. That's what our Christianity is about, man. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I must end my message today, and I have to read by, uh, end rather, by reading from this old oil field man, I suppose, who uh, translated the Message Bible. So I'm going to read it in my oil field tone. <laughs> Those people are on a dark spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on the high ground where you can point your finger at others think again every time you criticize someone you condemn yourself it takes one to know one judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors but god isn't so easily diverted he sees right through all such smoke screens and holds you to what you have done You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard? Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical change, life change. You're not getting by with anything. Every refusal and avoidance of God adds fuel to the fire. The day is coming when it's going to blaze hot and high God's fiery and righteous judgment. Make no mistake, in the end you'll get what's coming to you. Real life for those who work on God's side but to those who insist on getting their own way and take the path of least resistance, fire. If you go against the grain, you get splinters regardless of which neighborhood you're from, what your parents taught you, what schools you attended. But if you embrace the way God does things, there are wonderful payoffs, again, without regard to where you're from or how you were brought up. Being a Jew won't give you an automatic stamp of approval. God pays no attention to what others say or what you think about you. He makes up his own mind. If you sin without knowing what you're doing, God takes that into account. But if you sin, knowing full well what you are doing, that's a different story entirely. Merely hearing God's law is a waste of your time if you don't do what he commands. Doing, not hearing, is what makes the difference with God. When outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it more or less by instinct, they confirm his truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within that which there is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. Their response to God, yes and no, will become public knowledge on the day God makes his final decision about every man and woman. The message from God that I proclaim through Jesus Christ takes into account all these differences. If you're brought up Jewish, don't assume that you can lean back in your in the arms of your religion and take it easy feeling smug because you're an insider to God's revelation a connoisseur of the best things of God informed on the latest doctrines I have a special word of caution for you who are sure that you have it all together yourselves because you know God's revealed word inside and out feel qualified to guide others through their blind alleys and dark nights and confused emotions to God while you're guiding others who is going to guide you I'm quite serious. While preaching, don't steal. Are you going to rob people blind? Who would suspect you? The same with adultery. The same with idolatry. You can get by with almost anything if you front it with eloquent talk about God and his law. The line from scripture, it's because of you that Jews, that the it's because of you Jews that the outsiders are down on God. Shows it's a An old problem that isn't going away. Circumcision, the surgical ritual that marks you as a Jew, is great if you live in accordance with God's law. But if you don't, it's worse than not being circumcised. The reverse is true. The uncircumcised who keep God's ways are as good as the circumcised. In fact, better. Better to keep God's law uncircumcised than to break it circumcised. Don't you see? It's not the cut of the knife that makes you a Jew. You become a Jew by who you are. It's the mark of God on your heart, not of a knife on your skin that makes you a Jew. And recognition comes from God, not legalistic critics. I want us to know that being a Christian is not because you came into this house. Being a Christian is because you have yielded yourself to God and God has changed your heart. I'll be back in a moment.